Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of Musings with Malcolm. I am your host, Malcolm Rice, and with me for the very first episode is my mom, Shan Rice. Hello. Hi, Malcolm. How are you today? I'm doing good, you know. Work had me down, but I'm feeling great now because we're starting the podcast, something I've wanted to do for a long time. You know, I've been taking notes. I've been doing my due diligence out in the field. I've been listening to all the comedic podcasts from Melbourne, Australia, and the sport podcasts from California. And now I think I'm ready to launch my first one. What do you think? Well, I'm honored that you have me as your first guest. Well, of course. You were the only one around. So, I mean, (laughs) (laughs) you know, it was a process of elimination. But, no, I'm very happy to have the wonderful Shannon Rice on my podcast. So, I guess a little bit of introduction on what we're going to be talking about today. And I want to what the podcast is about. It's about what the title's about. What do you want? It's just about anything. It's about the musings that we have inside our brains and the things that make us tick and the things that make us laugh. So, a question for you just to introduce my guest. Um, first of all, who are you and what makes you, you? Mmm, my gosh. Deep questions. Yes, okay. very deep probing questions. Right. Yeah. Well, after 20 years of being your mom, mm-hmm. um, uh, but nobody else uh, would know anything about me. But um, no, well, I am, I'm a mom first. Um, you know, my past life, I was an educator for 20, 25 years. Um Currently, I'm in the wedding industry. Oh, tell uh, me about that. Yeah, well, it's it's a very you know cutthroat industry. Let me tell you that it's. Um, I would think it'd be more like happy-go-lucky sort of you know good times. <laughs> yeah, no, it's very. Yeah, know. well, you know, there's a lot of different wedding professionals in a lot of different categories. Uh, I happen to be an officiant, oh. um, and I uh, love that. I love marrying people, but um, I uh, it's a new career for me, mm-hmm. and uh, I think that it is well suited for my personality yes um what was my second question all right so yeah it was a long time ago i mean who remembers yeah um what makes you you what's something about you that's a defining characteristic Mm, wow okay well i don't think they're gonna say my sense of humor (laughs) no but um (laughs) but uh what makes me me well perhaps um i would say that i could i can read people pretty well Mm, i i kind of cut through the core pretty quickly um i know if uh somebody's being genuine and uh i think that that's what makes me interesting and and unique in the sense that i um i think that i oh that's okay We'll edit all this yeah. out. Yeah, okay. All right. Well, it's good to know that you haven't figured out that this is a pyramid scheme yet. So it's very good <laughs> that you are, you know, you, you know me well. Well, let's just hop straight into the news. We're going to be talking about movies and film and, you know, pieces of art that we like that are out there in the ether. So, Star Wars. Have you ever heard of Star Wars before? Oh, I saw the original, babe. Oh, wow. Okay. It's a small little movie. Some people may have missed it. But um, for the people that are woke know that Star Wars and the mega huge franchise known as Disney released Solo, A Star Wars Story in May. May the 4th be with you, everyone. Uh, But it opened to somewhat of a mediocre opening weekend. Some would say underwhelmed and maybe bombing. And the reason why I bring this up is because Lucasfilm and Disney are now rethinking and trying to re-engineer their model for bringing out the spin-off movies. 
basically what they said is that the big trilogies, all those, those are going to be the same as they always were. Ray, Finn, Ryan Johnson, people making those movies, that will stay in the same budgetary limitations. However, with the introduction of the spin-off movies, particularly Rogue One, which was amazing and it's great box office success, the troubles behind Solo has left them somewhat floundering as they're not sure what the future will hold. So I ask you now, did you like Solo? What were your overall thoughts? Oh, I loved it. I loved it. I was so excited. I think it was one of the most uh, I, I anticipated movies for me personally. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think I identified, I really loved Han Solo's character all throughout history. And for me, I was very, uh, I was jonesing just to find out, you know, how he got his name and how he met Chewie and how he, you know, got the Millennium Falcon. Yeah. And it was, uh, I feel because, you know, I was just a youngster in 77 when I was first introduced to Han Solo. I think I probably had a little crush on him. Oh, and, wow. Yeah. Does, yeah. does Harrison Ford know I, this? I think so, but oh he's God, he's being shy about it. Oh, yeah, he's okay. with uh, uh, Callista Flockhart, and you oh, know, it's, yeah. my time has come and gone with that. But oh, um, no, I was very, very interested to see that movie. I really liked it. Um, I think that people that are reviewing it as, as you know, not as up to snuff um, suck. So, oh, wow, yeah. that's harsh words. Yeah. Coming from something that, I, I want this podcast to be like a hard hitter, you know, the one out there like kicking ass, taking names, all sorts of things like that. But a bit of a overarching look at the movie Solo, it's sitting at 71% Rotten Tomatoes. Mm-hmm. That's still good. Mm-hmm. Still totally serviceable. Uh, in comparison, like The Force Awakens, which I think is in like the 90s, uh, Last Jedi, which is also in the 90s. So it's not too far behind. And now this number may shock you as an underwhelming number by some. $350 million. Would you think that's a good amount of money to make or bad? Well, that would be nice uh, if it happened to me. Yeah, but... well, luckily this podcast mm. will lead us to fortunes down the line. Right. But Lucasfilm, they don't like that. They don't think that's enough. And judging by the budget as it has blown out on Solo, a bit of the backstory on it, they originally commissioned... Two uh, two directors, which I'm forgetting the name of, but who knows? This isn't a really a factual podcast, anyways. Um, they directed the Lego movies. They were brought on to have like a bit of a creative, laid back, kind of westerny vibe to Solo, and they were fired <laughs> uh, because of creative differences with the cast and Alden Eichenreich, the guy playing Han Solo. He's not very a good um, spontaneous actor. So he went to Lucasfilm and said, I do not like the way that this movie is being directed. Wow. So Kathleen Kennedy, you know, the good woman that she is, fired the two poor men immediately. And they got Ron Howard. Yeah. Veronica Yay. Howard, I think is what it's long for. Is that it? <laughs> Maybe. Love Mr. Howard. Ron, yeah. Good, good bloke. Good bloke all around. But so he came in. He changed some things. He got some different actors to do some different roles and he did a lot of reshoots some say roughly 60 to 70 percent of the movie was changed so in this long process the budget almost doubled so making 350 dollars not a lot of money did i say 350 yeah you did i was gonna correct you million dollars if i misspoke there so it is interesting to think that a mega company like disney could actually be feeling the aftershocks of a movie that was just kind of 
men in theaters. Yeah, I think that they're they're lying. Nope. Uh, you know, I, I I don't think they're feeling it at all. I just think that they're probably trying to create a story around why the maybe the viewership was lower or you know ticket sales were lower. But um, it would be interesting to see what the um, average age was of mm. those moviegoers that went to see Solo. Do you know? I don't know. Do we know any of that? I think it's like seven and a half. No. Um, (laughs) (laughs) See, that is interesting that you say the average moviegoer because pretty much Lucasfilm and Disney as a whole, they want all of their movies, their target audience, the people that they really are trying to click with, is everyone that's alive currently on this planet. (laughs) So it's a very niche audience. So when they release a movie like Solo, they want to make it so the old fans can still go and watch it, and the young kids who don't even know who Han Solo maybe is can still go and watch it and have a good time. So I think the movie did that in a good way, that it harkened back to mm-hmm. even the prequels with uh, the Darth Maul, mm-hmm. spoiler alert, a little uh, cameo at the end in the original series with the whole Parsec. Um, famously, Han Solo set the Parsec uh, limit or record, I should say, for Mm -hmm. Castle Rome. I think that's what it is. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of old-fashioned themes in the movie that I particularly enjoyed. But it is interesting that I guess the vision for these spinoffs were they were to harken back to the past. Mm -hmm. Because as these trilogies are moving forward in time and the old cast is getting killed off and filtered out, that maybe the old-fashioned... you know, fan of Star Wars is feeling less connected to it mm-hmm. because they don't see Mark Hamill anymore or Carrie Fisher. So they want to make these spinoff movies so they're like, oh yeah, still remember Han Solo? Mm-hmm. Want, remember that Death Star? Man, that was a big pain in the ass, wasn't it? So mm-hmm. it's, I guess they're trying to appeal to everyone, but in that, sometimes they appeal to no one. Right. Well, there's a, you know, there is a inherent problem with trying to be everything to everyone. Right. Um, I don't think that you can have any, um, I don't know, element of a cachet when you try to do that. And right. not everybody is good at everything. Mm-hmm. So um, also, you know, with the baby boomers being the majority of the population, I think that they're hoping they probably have a lot of the money to spend on movie tickets Hell as yeah. well and spend on, you know, to take their whole family out to see the movie on a Sunday. Um, that they're, you know, marketing wise, trying to, you know, capture that audience and capture that cash. But I always believe adapt or die. So, you know, me seeing the original in 77 um, with my little brother and sister and my dad, um, it it was um, something that, well, no, my brother was being born. What am I talking about? My brother was being born. Who was that? Yeah, Jeremy, Uncle Jeremy. Like, uh, no, he was in, I think, the hospital being born. But it was with my sister and my father that um, we saw the original. And I just think that if you're worried that your audience is going to not buy into the new Ray or the mm-hmm. new Finn, then, um, you know, you're reaching the wrong people. You have to adapt or die. And you, so me as an aging person, 51 years old, um, I can go, yeah, I want these new characters. I want to see what new personalities are coming out. I want to see new adventures. And I get the link because I have Malcolm in my life that he draws me, you know, intricate timelines and posts them on the fridge for me. Oh, yes. So um, I'm a lucky mom. That way. classic nerd me. Yeah. It was, I'm just going to go back to that one thing that you said, that the universal art for everyone. I think 
I mean, we have this podcast. I think that is mm. totally something that no one will hate, everyone will love, and this will go down in history. Mm. Now, to go <laughs> on, let's, uh, you know, let's get rid of Star Wars. Let's get rid of Disney. You know, okay. who, who cares about Disney? Yeah. Let's go to Incredibles 2, made yeah. by Disney. Um, <laughs> well, Pixar, you know, for the pedantic people out there. All right, so Incredibles 2. We saw it way back when. Oh, Incredibles 1, I should say. Way back when, 14 years ago to you the were, very day. You were a wee boy of uh, six. Wee boy. I was very, very small at that point. Um, so, 14 years on. Animation clearly has gotten better, as mm-hmm. I think my father does not agree with. But nevertheless, <laughs> it is open to a $183 million opening weekend. Yeah. Does that sound good? Yeah, that sounds great. It sounds yeah. bloody fantastic. In fact, it's so fantastic that it has broken the animated movie record for opening weekend. It shattered Frozen. <laughs> a little pun there for the people. And um, it sits atop as a hero should. So, was it worth the wait? Or do you think it should have been never made in the first place? And who cares? Oh, God, no. It was worth the wait. I, I mean, <clears throat> just personally, as a family, like the Rice crew here, we loved Incredibles 1. And we, all of us, couldn't wait for Incredibles 2. We just kept, you know, every year hoping it would come out. And then we figured, well, 14 years later, here we go. Thank God those actors were all alive. That's all I have to say. Exactly. Like, honestly. Um, I don't think Mr. Incredible would be Mr. Incredible without um, that actor's voice, which I'm blanking on his uh, name. He's from Coach. From Coach. He is Coach. If only Jack Rice but, is here. Yeah, he that's okay if we had Google. But you know what? We're, uh, we're fine with not knowing. There's no way of knowing. Yeah, yeah. Who, who knows? Um, I mean, I'm on a laptop right now. I could look it up. Yeah, but, uh, but no, who, no, that's uh, not. Who cares? About yeah, that? Uh, but no, it was definitely worth the wait. I thought it was a fabulous movie. I thought the push towards feminism, which is yeah. what we're seeing, Girl kicking ass, currently in a lot of different movies, which I'm, uh, I'm sure will come up in conversation later. But um, she was great, and I thought that Mr. Incredible was um, an absolutely adorable character. Yes, I think the movie was. I mean, I don't want to be so outlandish and say it was a triumph, but I Mm. thoroughly enjoyed it. Mm. I think great movie all around the way that they kind of twisted all the classic tropes of superhero movies, but even just film, you know, the dad take the back seat and raise the kids and fail on pretty much. Right. You know, which happens every day. And how, of course, don't tell me that. Um, But in Elastigirl, you know, just doing amazing things and really sending a good, you know, role model everyone can be elastic just her like and her big butt which exactly. i loved how they focused on the big hey, butt if i if i can just interject you here can always that's interject. not going to be bleeped out is it bleep no. big butt no De- definitely okay. not all right okay. i think it's totally fair. yeah you know just like my mom said you can always kick ass without showing your ass <laughs> now that's why i've worn assless chaps my entire life but you know whatever uh, <laughs> now back on the topic here so animation as a whole i think it's set great you know great benchmarks and standards for films to come and you know for the people that live in this house that appreciate animation i guess would you would you like to see it maybe become a live action movie down the down the road if they reboot this in maybe 30 years or do you think the incredibles 2 should stay as this animated kind of 60s 50s era yeah animated all the way that's my vote um and um 
Yeah, no, there's no comparison. I would, uh, I mean, of course, I would, I would go see it if it was live action. But um, no, I would want to see it animated. And can I just say, like, a little plug here mm-hmm. with the short in the front, like that dumpling short? <laughs> Honest to God, Malcolm, like I ran the gamut of emotions. Gamut. 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 Oh, I thought it was gamut. No, it's gamut. <gasps> yeah, I think oh it's G A M M E T. Excuse me. Yeah. Um, uh, of emotions in that short, whatever, nine, ten minutes of um, videography of incredible artwork. Um, hats off to those artists. But um, the emotions and the the way that they showed how a dumpling was oh, honestly, made. Honestly, I could watch I, that uh, for a year worth. Yeah. Just, just show me the dumplings. Yeah. Right. And you know, and I, I, I connected with that mom right away. So um, you wanted to eat me? Is yeah, that, that definitely. I want to eat both oh. you and Mackenzie and, uh, but no, uh, no. Words. yeah, <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, it was, um, it was fabulous. Mm-hmm. And I love the shout out to Canada with the exactly. CN tower and the Canadians Jersey, uh, sorry, the Maple Leaf sweater and the, uh, Raptors Jersey. So, yeah. um, I guess, you know, yeah. for the people that True make habits, strong and free. Sorry. Exactly. Oh yeah. no, it's okay. Yeah, yeah. I guess maybe for the people that haven't seen it, they may think that we're insane right mm. now. It's about what is it? It's it's an Asian mom, mm-hmm. I guess. I don't know. Some it's a family. Yeah, it's just yeah. a regular family, mm-hmm. and basically she's making dumplings that look amazing, and then one of the dumplings comes alive and sprouts arms and feet, and then it proceeds to be this wonderful parenting montage between the dumpling and the mom. Of just kind of going downtown and getting donuts and discovering how to live your life. And, you know, as it goes on, the dumpling ages and somehow grows a little goatee and, (laughs) you know, starts wanting to be more alone and leave the house. And somehow it marries someone and brings her back home. And in this kind of loss of control by the mom as she feels that she's losing her little dumpling, uh, she eats him. But it turns out it was all just a metaphor. and A metaphor? I, what? I never could have heard of such a thing. But and the son shows up at the end and uh, talks to the mom and shares a donut with them or something. Right. So it's, yeah. it's a happy story. Um, mixed, mixed reviews, I would say. Some people thought it was weird, I, I think. Well, then I don't want to be friends with those people. Oh, wow. So, you know, you either love it or you don't, but uh, you're only my friend if you thought it was the best thing you've ever seen. So, exactly. And yeah. that is the goddamn truth. Yeah. You know. Yeah. We're all the ultimatums here. All right. So, Ocean's 8. Oh. Another movie. Oh. Some of the movies that have been, like, part of our childhood. I know. Basically, for those that do not, aren't in my dark family, uh, the Ocean's movies were a staple for growing up. Basically watched them maybe 20,000 times. Probably, yeah. In that average. And I've never seen the original original. Apparently that yeah. is utter garbage. Yeah, we so don't need to see that. We don't even need no. to mention that. No. Uh, but Ocean's 11, Ocean's 12, sneaky underrated. I like it. I think it's a great movie. And then Ocean's 13, those all happened in the mid-2000s. Now it is 2018 and Ocean's 8 has just been released. What did you think of it? You, I actually haven't seen this movie. You have, yeah. so I will pass the baton. Right. Here. Okay. I'm going to take it and run. Okay. So, yeah. I mean, on so many different levels, this movie, again, was awesome. So, yes, I, I'm a huge proponent of all these movies that we're talking about tonight, oddly enough, because I don't always agree with you on your movies. But 
I loved Ocean's 8. I thought that it was an opportunity to, with the, with the whole Me Too kind of movement in the sense of Harvey Weinstein and doing all of the terrible things that he did, this women empowerment has come out of yes. this, which is from evil comes good. And so uh, here we are with a cast of stellar actors, um, all being female. And yeah, oh yeah, well, let's go through it. Yeah, I mean, you got Sandra Bullock, Sandra Bullock top, amazing. Um, who's who is who's the Kate other? Blanchett? Kate Blanchett. Yeah, um, Rihanna. Rihanna's in this. Anne Hathaway is in this movie. Yeah, she's great. Um, I, yeah, I for I've seen some reviews on it, and I definitely appreciate it for what it is. I think that. A lot of people connected with it. I think it's probably a good heist movie, would mm -hmm. you say? Yeah. Like oh, yeah. Level? Awesome. Awesome yeah. heist movie. Re yeah. Really good things. Good like eye candy. Oh. Yeah. A lot of beautiful things, yeah, which is, eye candy uh, is important. I don't know if it appeals only to women, but I would think it appeals to a lot of different people uh, just to be looking at beautiful things. Right. And um, this was set in the Met. The Met Gala, not the Met Gala, okay. as we're told. It's the Met Gala. You have okay. to be, you know, so, um, so posh. Like, like the apple. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Gala. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So I guess my follow-up question is, did it need to be an Oceans movie? Why is, is there ties to the Oceans movies in it, but also were they necessary? Because a lot of the branding for this film was, oh, it's an Oceans film, whatever. But maybe to be even more independent and even more female-driven and just independently driven. It might have been more interesting to make it completely new and just have it as a heist movie. Mm -hmm. We don't need the connections to this male-led franchise mm -hmm. kind of supporting it up. Right. You know, I struggled with that, too. I was very curious to see how they were going to link the two. Um, and shall I give things away? Spoil away. So, yeah, um, uh, the lead character, um, Sandra, Bullock. Sandra Bullock, is Danny Ocean's sister. Okay. And uh, Danny Ocean has died. And mm. she is at his uh, tomb, if you will, in one of those uh, big glamorous in, in, in marble things. Yes. That has, it's a drawer with he's, his name on it, basically. The pyramids. And so she um, is his sister, and she's just being released from prison as well. Mm. So it, a lot of homage. Yeah. So uh, obviously, you know, this, this uh, finagling of different casinos and different uh, businesses out of their money and, and the thievery that goes on in the Ocean family you know, is glamorized and and made to appear uh, justified through these Oceans movies. Um, so that's the connection. Uh, there is the cameo. Um, I'm blanking on his name. It's is the it, guy. Is it that, Ruben? Ruben. Thank yeah, you. It. Now, he aged um, a lot. Wow. He was, I wonder uh, why. He aged. Yeah, well, he was old when he was 11, 12, and 13. Uh, so, yeah, true, yeah. Yeah. Um, But I mean, he was in there for like a blink of an eye. But it, there was one connection. But there was several obvious, uh, you know, links to Danny Ocean and um, just to know that that just runs in the family and that this is now her gig and that she's trying to make her brother proud hmm. of the way that she um, was smart in, in conniving right. this, this theft of right. said necklace. So right. yeah. So I guess I do. There, believe, there are, there are a lot of ties. There is. And I do believe it needed to be an ocean because that was part of the question. That I was asked. Okay. Um, yeah. I do believe it needs to be an ocean rather than just a heist because 
Although women are powerful on their own, I, I still will say that it doesn't it it does not hurt them to be linked to something that was really really successful that had a lot of men in it. Yes. So to ride a little bit on their coattails, I know the feminists out there are screaming right now, but yes. I am. I, I hear I hear yelling. Yeah, I hear yelling. I, Mackenzie would be coming down and yes. ripping me to shreds. But I do believe that it's. Um, it is just a natural progression to want to be successful um, as a woman, as you are with a man. And I think that this was a nice jumping off platform. I think that they can now take this and run and they right. can do more heists. And I think it's, it has more appeal if it's an Oceans. Exactly. I'm looking forward yeah. to Oceans 9 yeah. 2019. Yeah. Yeah, I feel, you know, it's good. They have they have the prime years of numbers, you know, Oceans 8 2018. Maybe you get Ocean's oh, yeah. 9 2019, but yeah. then you're kind of screwed when it's yeah, 2020. You know, I guess make the jump yeah. from Whoa. 9 to, 11 to 20. Minutes. Really big cast. Um, well, that's interesting. Now, I guess, you know, thinking that the Ocean's movies were such a staple and a big part of film growing up, just because it was pretty much the only thing that I was allowed to watch. Um, <laughs> what is some of the favorite films maybe of you growing up? Mm. And why is that? Um Maybe is there a particular emotion that it makes that a good film makes you have, or does it resonate with you in a certain way so that you remember it and it, it becomes maybe not a part of you, but a, something that you really appreciate mm -hmm. and are welcome to go back and forth and watch it over and over again. Mm -hmm. So yeah. what's some films, maybe some through lines of films mm -hmm. that you really appreciate in that way? Well, yeah, I mean, definitely the oceans. Um, I do like some Woody Allen's uh, in the sense that he has. Um, uh, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on the uh, name. Scoop. Scoop is good. Yeah, uh, uh, I love. Um, really good ice cream movie. I, I I'm surprised that you know he did that. <laughs> you know, growing up, really movies weren't a huge part of my life, but I think they became a bigger part of my life once. You know, we got a VCR. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, we were one of the first families. Get a, get families. a track. We were one of the first families that got a VCR. And we went to the, you know, video store and put movies on hold. But... Um, R.I.P. Blockbuster. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I, I mean, I can lead with some of, some yeah, of my Yeah, yeah, why don't you do that? Now, um, see, it's been, a, it's been a big love fest. We've been agreeing with a lot of movies yeah. and our takes, but mm -hmm. I'm going to throw someone out that we do not agree on. Okay. Baby Trevor. Now, I personally love this movie. I think that the filmography is great. I think Edgar Wright, the director, has a lot of interesting defining characteristics in his film style. The way that it tells a story with even just the slight imagery or the quick snapshots. And if you were watching it deaf, I think you could still understand this movie. Mm -hmm. And you can still marvel at the storytelling. And it's very emotive. And I think... The reason why I like it so much is, and then maybe a through line of films for me, is it makes me disappear in the narrative. Now, although it wasn't too complex of a story, I really resonated with the characters, and I thought they were very well developed. And the the trials and tribulations it took for me to see this movie in the first place, me and my girlfriend Elena tried to see this maybe on four separate occasions, finally clawed our way to that theater, pretty much the only ones in it, and we just saw it and we really liked it. And I think that's something that I underestimate with liking a film. It's the shareability mm. and being able to talk with it to another person. Mm. And 
liking the characters together and be able to talk about it. Maybe someone likes a different thing that you didn't notice. And another through line for me is the soundtrack. I think the soundtrack mm. really blew me away. It was a character in itself. Um, Ansel Elgort did a great job with just showing me who he was as a character. He completely got into the character of Baby. And it made me want to be Baby in some way. I wanted to drive fast. I wanted to do things like that. So the love story and, I guess, the robberies and the heists, I really enjoyed. And I think it was probably one of my favorite movies of the year. Now, interestingly, I suggested this movie to you and my, and my dad for, for you to watch. And what was your take on it? Well, <clears throat> I liked it, and I don't think your father did. Exactly. So, yeah. So I bought into it very quickly. I loved the whole tie to the music Mm-hmm. As well, I thought the, the that was great. Um, I, I loved Baby. Baby uh, had my heart at like minute one. Mm-hmm. He was gorgeous in every way. It, it, to to preface, this is the sequel to Boss Baby. This is when Boss Baby is all grown up. I'm not sure if you know that movie. I'm kidding, of course. Get in your Pause, baby, as Alec Baldwin as the baby boss. You know, right. this is no comparison. Yeah. Um, no, I loved it. Would I want to see it again? Probably not. But um, there are certain movies that I do watch over and over again because they're, I guess, soothing and make mm-hmm. me feel good. Um, but I really enjoyed Baby Driver because of everything being fresh and brand new and different and fast and musical and the the love story i did love i love that love story i'm a sucker for teenage love gotta love a good love story yeah yeah, i am ferris bueller watch out yeah yeah well ferris bueller there you go that 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 would be something yeah Yeah, that would be something that i would say i and 16 candles anything john hughes Mm -hmm. um for me personally as my formative years right um when i was a dating teenager oh yeah 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 and then back to the whole you know um i did midnight in paris so when i was talking about woody allen I was trying to think of Midnight in Paris. So I do love some of his work. um, And um, Midnight in Paris is very, very quirky humor. Yeah. Yeah. Appeal to me. But those are, those are who I feel. If I'm just like a rainy day and I want to sit down, I would probably pull those movies out. Great. Yeah. Now um, to go back to the Ferris Bueller. Yeah. So I guess decades have very unique film styles, film qualities, you know, Mm. they decided, you know, like the fifties and the sixties were defined by, just crap movies that was their thing and then uh, sorry for all the you know people in the crowd but then um the 70s and 80s and 90s i think is when really filmography took off mm-hmm. and they decided to explore in different genres and make things not as linear of a storytelling now one of my examples of one of my favorite movies from the 70s is alien 1979 mm-hmm. alien i think it changed the course of film in a lot of ways mm-hmm. it introduced the horror aspect and the disgusting aspect of film Mm. that you maybe didn't see as much on the big screen before. So as much as it had that, it had strong female characters. Mm -hmm. Sigourney Weaver. Sigourney Weaver Mm -hmm. in the 70s. And yes, I admit, Alien 3 and 4 suck. But um, it set up a great series to come that that didn't really happen before. There wasn't a lot of sequels in big franchises. It was more singular vision, single movies. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you had your James Bonds, which was oh, the, sure. the anomaly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it is interesting that decades it's themselves separated. So what do you think mm. defines this recent decade of films? Mm. 
Oh my God! Wow, I'm not prepared for that one. Okay. Let me think about that. Well, uh, th think away. Yeah. I would say you know, the easy, the easy thing to throw out is the superhero mm -hmm. sort of overtone, and not even that it's that kind of film, but the way that those tropes are even examined in other films. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, they seep over to The Incredibles too. Right? Mm -hmm. And different aspects of Disney and the strong pinnacle characters and then your side characters. I think it's no longer a big playing field of, oh man, we're going along, we're creating different characters, going different scenes. It's more of you follow this one person or people or group and that's the story. And as much as I like that in storytelling, I do, going back to the Alien movie. Sigourney Weaver is technically the main character of that movie, mm -hmm. but you would have no idea until the final, final half an hour mm -hmm. because they focus on everyone individually and everyone has their own story. But to take into account um, a movie that I recently watched, uh, Avengers Infinity War, it had a huge cast. And I think it tried to be old school and modern in the way that although it was a superhero tropey kind of movie, it wanted to be new in its approach to it. So it had a very large cast and it had different kind of subsections and different team-ups with sort of characters that we've never seen before. So with the big budget films and everything that goes along with that, I think that's something that defines this decade because no longer, like back in the 90s, you would have a one big, you know, blockbuster film like Gladiator or Jurassic mm -hmm. Park, mm -hmm. things of that nature, which really stood out in the time because there was nothing else mm -hmm. to compare it to. But nowadays, when it's basically the age of the blockbuster mm -hmm. because every single summer there is blockbuster after blockbuster after blockbuster. So it almost muddies the brand of it because a huge movie just came out and we're not even talking about it. Jurassic World, Fallen mm -hmm. Kingdom, mm -hmm. huge budget, comes from the Jurassic World pedigree of films. But it doesn't really have the same impact as maybe a smaller film would, like A Quiet Place or Baby Driver. So as well as we have these titans of the films all the time, everywhere you look is a big landmark film, but rather budget, I think it's important that we sprinkle in the smaller films. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what's going to set mm -hmm. the next decade mm -hmm. is the small, individually story-driven movies. Because people are going to look for story over spectacle. I agree. I agree. And so to answer that question with the, the whole decade of, you know, um, importance, I think the, the word that comes to mind is, is fantastical. Mm -hmm. So Harry Potter. Okay. When was that released? It was like oh. 2000s. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. Well, late 90s. Okay. So even. It's, yeah. that's in our, okay. Oh yeah. That, so, that's in the time. <laughs> yeah. So really with the whole, like, Marvel and the, the comics and all their movies and Harry Potter and Jurassic and Avatar and all of these uh, movies that set in places that are f so far removed from reality. They're just totally fantastically made up. Um, I think that that would be this last decade. Yeah. And I think you're right. We need to see, uh, I look forward to the little personal authentic movies that I can connect to 
Whereas I don't really need to see a big, huge dinosaur roaring at me or scaring me in my bedroom. Yeah. I, I don't. I, mean, I don't I get that every day in my dreams. So, right. you know, so I don't really need it. Yeah, but I, I need that authentic connection of to make me feel something. And I just don't think, although Harry Potter made me feel a lot of things that, that I think deserves its own podcast sometime. Okay. But, um, there you go. But, um, I think that fantastical would be my word to use. Yeah. Speaking of fantastic, this is fantastic. And as we come around to the final stretch. Already? Of this long horse race. Um, it's time for plugs. So in this segment, I guess, I'll try and manufacture this, um, it's what content have you been absorbing through your ear holes, your eye holes, mm. your mouth holes, any orifice really, um, <laughs> oh what, what, have, what have you been watching, what have you been reading? Uh, well, you know, well, currently I'm reading um, Big Little Lies or Little Big Lies, uh, okay. it's, it's also on HBO, but it's a, it's, it's a kind of a, it's very dark um, it's oh. a little bit not Shannon, but I am <laughs> reading it and it keeps drawing me back to it. But uh, what I love uh, right now on screen is Schitt's Creek. Schitt's Creek. Uh, yeah. So shout out to Canada again. Uh, could could you a, spell that for us? Also? Yeah, sir. Sure. Yeah. Sure, sir. Okay. Yeah. So uh, S-C-H-I-T-T-S with the dollar sign. Oh, yeah. okay. So Schitt's Creek, yeah. I wasn't sure if I had to bleep that out or not. Yeah, no. Well, you know, true to form Canadian humor. Um, but it's, uh, you know, Americans, you may need to, as I say to all my American friends, please stick with it till at least episode three or four. Right. Um, and don't give up on it because uh, as Canadians, we have a different sense of humor and um i think it's better than american humor but you know oh, well yeah, yeah yeah it is um <laughs> but no Shits creek um you know the levy family a blockbuster right out of the gate um very father son uh eugene and daniel and just approaching a lot of topics that are very current with the with the uh, sexual orientation and about uh also, just love is love and um, starting from nothing again, being right. successful and, and losing everything and starting all over again and just, and family, really, the whole the whole thing is about family, but mm -hmm. um, Shit's Creek, check it out. Watch it, fam. Yes. I guess more of an overarching idea of it for people that have never heard of it. It's about a very rich, well-to-be mm. family mm. that lost their entire fortune mm. because of shady there was business deals. Yeah, his or... business manager stole all the money. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. so, so like the family that. isn't a criminal. Exactly, no, they, had, they're all yeah. good. Mm -hmm. And they basically the only you know they they every door is closed and they have nowhere to turn except for the small town of Shit's Creek, mm -hmm. as it was a joke gift from father to son right. for one of his birthdays because they thought the name was funny. So technically they own the town. Right. So mm -hmm. they can go there and they live and craziness ensues and mm. I, I really enjoy it. I think you should check it out. The internet is your oyster people. Find it. All right. <laughs> so for me, um, something I've just been reading slash watching, Twin Peaks, flashback to the 90s. Whoa. Man... Boy, do I have a lot to say on this. So, Elena and I, my girlfriend, we were trying to figure out something to watch, stumbled on Twin Peaks, and it intrigued me for a little bit of time. The first season was short, it was eight episodes, left on a cliff, cliffhanger. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm invested in the story and the characters. Then season two happened, and it really went off kilter. It went 
too fantastical in its like otherworldly presence, basically. It was no longer just a crime story or a detective. It was more, you know, it was, it was like a Star Trek movie, if anything. It was like different illusions and unpredictable things and spirits and whatever and things in the woods and there's a lady with a log and whatever <laughs> so anyways as you know but anyways we put that in the bag and we went on wikipedia and we looked up how it ends and we are so glad that we did not sink another i don't know how many hours like 20, summer tw- our entire summer, summer yeah. into this crappy you know kind of tv show but it does have merit in a sense but it's too long-winded the second season is 22 meaty episodes. What? I know. The first is eight. Then they make the jump to 22. Oh. So. Isn't like it normally like a 15, 16? Like isn't it a series? Right. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I would say the average now is about 10. Yeah. But right. it's way too long for the time and it's slow. Very, very slow. I mean, characteristic of it. But yeah, Twin Peaks, I would say I would give... Like a 5.7 out of 10 if I was to give it anything because very specific number. But <laughs> it's, I don't know, it didn't grab me in its second season as I wanted it to, yeah. which I don't know. Maybe that's, that's time's come and gone. Exactly. You know? Mm. You know, the 90s, you know, very crap time. Um, so, and <laughs> yeah. something that I'm going to read and really excited for is Voltron, a bit of a step into the unknown for my mom here. But Voltron, if you don't know, it's an anime slash animated TV show on Netflix, and it's sci-fi and futuristic and space battles and things like that. It's an old film. It's an old film. It's an old, you know, readaption, I guess, adaptation from Voltron Legendary Defender in the 90s. So they're bringing it back, and it's it's great. I think they're going to be on season four or five now. I've seen every season. I would highly recommend going in on that. If you're maybe you know on the fence about watching anime, it's very loose in its comedic structure. I think it's funnier than you expect. The characters are more relatable than you would expect, and it's just a, it's a really good show, and I'm looking forward to watching it. Oh, good. Good times ahead. Exactly. Speaking of good times, the next episode will be good times. Mm, What's up for your next podcast? I think I'll be bringing on... Who? Who? My dad. To talk a little sport action. Yeah. Yes. So for anyone that, you know, hates sports, this is your time to click out and, you know... No, you're not going to want to miss it, miss this. Honestly, even if you don't like sports, you got (laughs) to listen to Jack and Malcolm talk sports because you will will fall in love with it because they are are the yin and yang. Exactly. Well, if there's anything that you want to plug, like your Twitter handles, Instagram, what do you got going on? Where where can people find you on the internet? Gosh, well, you know, I'm everywhere. So, yeah. Um, If you want to get married, I am the woman to do that for you. And if you are in... The Baltimore ish area. Yeah, anywhere in Maryland. Yeah, yeah. Royal Link Weddings. Yes, that is me on Instagram and Facebook, um, as well as a website, royallinkweddings.com. I'm happy to talk about your plans for uh, any sort of union. And I am inclusive of all types of unions. Good. Love is love. That is my motto. I love that. 
And speaking of love, I love my Twitter handle. It is musings.malcolm. That is M-U-S-I-N-G-S dot Malcolm. And that's, you can find me then on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail. Shoot me an email. Ask us some questions. Maybe we'll read it out. Anyways, this has been a goddamn pleasure. Thank you, Mom, for being the very first guest on my podcast. And we hope to keep this going. Thanks for having me. I've enjoyed every second of it. Oh, man. Thank you. And I hope we all see you soon. And please tune in for the next episode with me and my dad. Everyone, have a good day. Cheers. <laughs>